Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Euro Trip. It is brilliant to be with you for another week. I am Rob, as ever, joined by James, my co-host here on the Euro Trip. And James, delighted to see that you finally made use of my Christmas gift. Yes, finally. Although we should mention your Christmas gift came late. It came about two weeks into January. But hold we can on, gloss hold over on. That. Where was mine? Right. Enough. We, we should have said at the start. Your Christmas a- gift is about two and a half months late at this point, pal. <laughs> yeah, it'll come this Christmas instead. It'll come in December. But yes, very nice of you to send this. It's a lovely Barbara Pravi t-shirt, wearing it proudly right now. But that's all I've got to say on the matter. That's all I'm going to say on Christmas presents, because we've got a jam-packed episode of the Eurotrip today, so we might as well get on with things. Honestly, so much to come between now and the end of the episode, so you'll hear less from us. More from the guests this week, because you're going to want to hear what they have to say. It's time for the Euro trip. As you know, Alessandro always said, take it away. Hi, we are Davio Dakamaknev, and you're listening to Euro trip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love the festival, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. 
And on a jam-packed episode this week, we are joined by a whole host of guests, including one of the presenters of Eurovision 2012. It's Nargis Burke-Peterson. Yes, so good to have Nargis on the podcast today because, of course, we had the host announcement for Turin a couple of weeks ago. We found out who would be hosting the contest in May. So I thought that was the perfect opportunity to get a guest on who could tell us exactly what it is like to host the Eurovision Song Contest. But Nargis also tells me this story about problems she had with the script and a few things she needed to iron out with the help of an Irish cameraman. Our scriptwriter was German. He wrote something and here my sit neighbor is blah, blah, blah. And I was reading and I was like, you don't say sit neighbor, you know, in, you know, in English, that's yeah. not a thing. So we went and I think we found some like Irish cameraman and we're like, hey, you're a native English speaker, right? Do you say sit neighbor in English? They're like, no, we don't. <laughs> so I was like, I won this one. So excited to hear that chat. Ten years on, of course, since Nargis hosted the Eurovision Song Contest. But I mentioned we've got a whole host of guests. That includes the one we teased on Melfest Monday earlier in the week, Anders Bagger. He is taking part in Melody Festival for the very first time this coming weekend. And really excited, actually. So between now and the contest in May, the guys from We Are Domi, the Czech Republic entry for Eurovision, are going to join us. And they're going to be keeping us up to date with their Eurovision preparations. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. We are back another week of the Eurotrip podcast. Thank you to those of you who joined us on Monday, of course, for Melfest Monday, our look at Melody Festival and looking ahead to heat number three, which is coming up this Saturday. One of the contestants, James mentioned him, Anders Barger. He will be chatting to us a little bit later on so we'll be finding out all about that and of course the guys from we are domi and nargis on the way but as we know an incredibly busy weekend in the world of eurovision just gone of course me and james we, we popped up with a little twitter space didn't we on saturday morning that was very exciting i had to get out my pajamas pretty quick to uh, to join everybody but then as you pointed out i mean no one could see us i suppose i could have stayed in them if i really wanted to yeah, you could have stayed in bed as well, honestly. You put far too much thought into that. But then, yeah, like you mentioned, it was a busy weekend. We had so many national selections. We were busy in the Melfest app doing some live English language commentary. And then the biggie, well, not for Eurovision fans necessarily, but it was the uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday night, wasn't it? And we put a tweet out uh, to try and find out if you could choose one Eurovision artist to do the halftime show, who would it be? And we got so, so many of you joining in on that conversation. And I don't think there was an overwhelming favourite, actually. So very quickly, Rob, if you had to choose one, who do you reckon you would put in the halftime show? You know when you ask me any question about Eurovision ever, the answer is always Hurricane. (laughs) It's still going to be Hurricane. Yeah, you say that. And now that I come to think of it, so many people said Hurricane. I think there was one particular tweet and it got loads of retweets and likes because so many people agreed that Hurricane would be good. And yeah, I've got to agree, there totally would be. But speaking of the Super Bowl and the halftime show, there was a debut for a TV advert during the show. And that was some very exciting American Song Contest news. Can you believe the hosts of the American Song Contest? The whole thing sounds like a fever dream, doesn't it? We've got (laughs) Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg 
Honestly, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? You remember, it's coming up to a year ago, we had Krista Bjorkman on the podcast. He's done great things for Melody Festival, and he's on the team behind the American Song Contest. And he gave us a real insight into that. Never at that time did I think he was going to mention the names Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson. It's becoming a real big, a real big deal. The whole thing is just mind-blowing. Like, I'm not convinced that this isn't all a dream, but the idea of Krista Bjorkman on the phone to Snoop Dogg, like, watch... What is happening? It's just absolutely nuts. The American Song Contest will be here before we know it. And that's after the whole selection season is over and done with. As we mentioned at the start of the episode, it is jam-packed today. We've got three amazing guests joining us very shortly. So let's get on with things. That sound we've just heard there means we're going to bring you all the latest Eurovision news from the last seven days. And this week, I'll leave you in the very capable hands of Mr. Rob Lilly. I don't think you have ever called these hands capable before, but (laughs) I am delighted that that's that's what we're going with this week. Where to begin then? Let's start with the songs selected for Eurovision since we last spoke to you on Wednesday last week. On Saturday, we had four new entries selected. Those are the songs from Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and Ukraine. So let's have a listen. Stefan with Hope, City Zieni with Eat Your Salad for Latvia, of course, Monica Lou from Lithuania with Sentimentai, and Alina Pash with Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. Now, at the time of recording, there is still a lot of uncertainty about whether Alina Pash will go to Italy in May. The Ukrainian broadcaster are investigating whether or not she entered Crimea from the Russian side of the border in 2015. This is the sort of thing that only comes up at this time of year. You know, this is all of everything that's going on with Russia and Ukraine at the moment aside. This is something we have, of course, seen before with Marov in, in 2019. Uh, this, of course, wouldn't be allowed by Vidbeer rules. So if they find that Alina had indeed entered Crimea from the Russian side of the border, Alina won't be going to Eurovision for Ukraine. Will anyone else be going to Eurovision for Ukraine? I suppose we wait to find out. Uh, second place, Kalish Orchestra. They've been highly critical of the voting process during the show. Uh, several technical issues prevented the scoreboard from being shown 
on Saturday night. So very much a, a watch this space on that one. Now in San Marino, their national final is taking place this week. A voice for San Marino is taking place each weeknight with the grand final held on Saturday. Now, the process is mega confusing. You might not think it's confusing. For my tiny mind, it's quite confusing. Uh, There are semi-finals. There are emerging acts. There are established acts. There is sadly no flow rider. As I mentioned already, the finals on Saturday. Uh, Depending on when you are listening to this, we have already heard, or you will hear soon, the songs that are in the running to represent France at Eurovision. They're out on Wednesday afternoon, so it might be today, might have been yesterday, whenever you're listening, we're not getting ourselves in that mess as we normally do. Uh, 12 songs are going to be in the running to represent France and the French national final is on the 5th of March. And then this weekend, so to mark your card, Friday sees the semi-final of the selection in Malta and all the brilliant adverts that I'm sure that will bring with it. Then on Saturday, we will get songs from Norway, Poland, Croatia, Slovenia, San Marino and Malta. Of course, Melfest is back with heat number three. And James, I'm going to sound... Very controversial, but I'm very much looking forward to social media losing its mind on Saturday when the fellas with the bananas end up representing Norway at Eurovision. Because I think we all know it's probably going to happen. Is it going to be a bit like Saturday Just Gone when City's anyone in Latvia and some people who think it's a joke entry sort of lost their minds? We love a bit of Twitter drama in the Eurovision sphere online, don't we? We certainly do. I, for one, I've already put my uh, put my my colours to the mast for um, Subwoofer, but I would be delighted to see them in Turin. We may now have lost half our listeners, but but <laughs> standing by it. Uh, you and me both, to be perfectly frank. But let's chat about another one of the national finals taking place this coming Saturday. It's Melody Festival, and have you heard of that one? It's in Sweden. I have. If you'd listened to my news, I did mention it, yeah. So, yeah, I did, did mention it. Well, I'm going to go into a bit more detail about it. I know we've got a separate Melfest Monday podcast to do all, all of our Melfest chatting, but there's another interview that I really want to bring you, an interview that I nearly didn't bring you, because on Tuesday this week, I was meant to have a, a chat with Anders Bagger at 10 a.m. UK time. Sadly, I joined the Zoom and he didn't. I emailed his manager. He he still didn't turn up. About five hours later, I was practically horizontal on the sofa watching some curling at the Winter Olympics. Do you have a snack? I didn't have a snack. The curling was just finishing. I thought, I'm going to go and pop the kettle on. Just as I was standing up, my telephone rang. I picked it up. It was a Swedish number. I thought, this is unusual. And uh, I answered. I said, hello. There was a man at the other end of the phone who said, hello, is that James? I said, yes, it is. The voice boomed back and said, Hi, James. It's Anders Bagger here. (laughs) Hi, James. It's Swedish Idol judge Anders Bagger here. (laughs) Not a situation I thought I'd find myself in. But for about five minutes, we both tried to figure out how to set up the Zoom call again because I wasn't prepared. He wasn't quite prepared. But we got there in the end. Some technical difficulties were moved out of the way. His laptop just started to run out of battery just as we started. It was honestly carnage. But it's safe to say... What a great fella he is. He is so genuine. He's so lovely and really lives up to that nickname he has. He gets called a big bear in Sweden because he's just so lovable and likable. 
Uh, and interestingly, he was also a bear on The Masked Singer, because that is actually recently where his singing career began. Sorry, I, I, I can't not laugh at your bear segue. <laughs> Oh, dearie me. Uh, well, actually, I was going to say was that because he was a bear on The Masked Singer, he also has like a replica bear of that costume in his home studio that was behind him during our chat. Oh, dearie me. I'm going to get to the beginning of this interview as quickly as I can, because like I say, we've got a very busy episode. But he is. He's such a lovely fella. He began his music career, his singing career on The Masked Singer recently because he's actually known as a producer, as a songwriter. Uh, he's a judge on Idol in Sweden. He's not known for singing. But I started off by asking Anders, given that he's competing in Melody Festival for the very first time this year, how this singing adventure really began with him competing on The Masked Singer last year. Probably a show was made for me to participate in because I've been very, very scared being on stage. I had a huge saying no thing in my life which I've been regretting for, for almost 16 years. And what happened is that then they came with a mass Singer idea and I thought like, that's the perfect, that's the perfect, that's the perfect, competition. Yeah. That's the perfect competition for me because I don't need, they don't need to see me. I can still eat my hamburgers. I will be the teddy bear, which I'm known for in Sweden, being a big teddy bear. And then I would get like an honest opinion if they like me for how I sing and not for being like a known person here in Sweden. What was the masked singer like then for you? Because like you say, you'd never really performed in public before. It was a great opportunity to get some honest feedback on your singing, on your performing. It must have been an enjoyable experience because here you are competing in Melfest this year. The experience was so almost like I'm, how I'm feeling right now. It was very, very scary. Though for every part of the competition, I started to feel better and better. To be in this dress, this costume, it was 200 degrees. It was so hot and I was standing only in my little pants. And I was wet, soaking wet from like bottom to top. Even though I had a fan inside, I had a fan. The last time when I came number four, it was broke. Ah. And I was on painting, so I couldn't sing that well. But on the other hand, it was, it was cool. It was cool. So that's the excuse then. If the fan had worked when you left the competition, maybe you'd have won the full thing. Maybe. No, no, I wouldn't. Let's talk about yeah. Melody Festival and then because... Like we mm -hmm. mentioned before when we were chatting, it was a surprise to see you competing in 2022, wasn't it? When did the conversation start to make this happen? The honest, honest truth is that I was at a meeting with my partners in my record. I have a label, which was starting, and um, they are very... They've been in this business for a very, very long time and been really, really successful in publishing and so forth. And then my manager came into the room and we were sitting like on a, on a bench like this, you know, where what it called like a conference table. And uh, my manager, Matthias, said to me, OK, here's a song which I do really like. Do you think this would be a great song for the Eurovision? And I said, like, yeah, let me play it. And then I said to him, hmm, that's a great song. Even I could sing that one. Fantastic. And then he said, hmm, did you say that you could sing it? No, no, I said it was just fantastic. 
Then he just went away without me knowing. And then he came back. Oh, it's done, Anders. You're going to be in the, in the Melody Festival. And, and I said, what did you say to me right now? Yeah, you said you could sing it. No, I said, even I could sing it. No, I thought you said could sing it. And all my friends at the table said, yeah, you said you could sing it. Yes, you know, so I was, oh, you tricked me. So this was so that, never your plan? No, 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 no. So what happened was that I said, to, okay, let me go back to my studio, which back there, you know, I went back there and I put on the song and I sang it. And then it was like, I was feeling actually like, it was kind of good. I felt like I did that song good. I'm happy, Anders, you're happy. So I called out my wife and said to her, can you, can you come and listen to one thing? And then she listened, and I, then I showed her my telephone. I said, if I press send here, then the song will be sent to S, uh, the SVT and to my manager and to my friends. And then I will say yes. So I was kind of like, should I do this? So she listened to the song, and then she said to me like this, so, so what happens then? Uh, if, if you press, yeah, then it's gonna, and I said, what did you do? So she pushed the button <laughs> and I said to her, what did you do? And she said, I pushed sand. She's really funny, my wife, she's really funny and beautiful, my love of life. And I said, why did you do that? Now I need to, one minute later, my manager calls up, that's great, it sounded absolutely amazing. And I said to him, you haven't even listened to it. No, 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 but I know it's good. So that's the story. It's an incredible yeah. story as well. What are the nerves yeah. like now then? Because we were chatting before about the mass Singer. You had the costume on. Nobody knew it was you. This time round, no. everybody no. watching is going to know it's you. And it's going to be so scary because I've been at the Avicii Arena or Globen as it's called before 13 times waving at the public as the, as the judge of Idol. And it's been really scary. But the only thing I'm doing then is waving. Now I'm going to sing and I'm going to be judged. It was, it's much easier to be the judge than being judged. So that's, that's a little bit of a scary moment. The thing is like, I need to kill one of the demons, which I uh, been living with as I started with, with 16 years. I, uh, Celine called me up, Dion, and she called me from the airport and said like, Anders, hey, hey Anders, can you sing the song with me duet in Globen? And I said to her, no, I don't think so. I will never sing. Okay, bye. <laughs> and she said, and she, did you just turn, did you just hang up on me, Anders? Yes, I did probably. Yes, I probably did. Yes, it was me. Then her husband called me and said, ever do that to my wife. So I decided to come. So I was standing with Celine and, and Robert and I said I couldn't do it. I was so scared. That day... It's the biggest regret I've ever had in my life. How could I turn down singing a duet with Celine Dion? And for 16 years now, I've been thinking, I've been regretting, regretting that I didn't do that. And now there's no more regrets. And how does that feel? Because I can sort of tell just in the manner of the way you're acting and speaking that this now actually feels like something you are very ready and prepared for. I have nothing to lose and nothing to gain. 
this is this is a chance to to sing a song that is um, sending out a very nice message about like you know getting away for a moment think about the positive things in the world there's too much drama and shit in the world so i think we all need to have some beautiful moments what else can you tell us about the song that you're going to be singing on saturday night i know some things have got to be top secret for a few more days and stuff like that one thing we do know you've said in the past is that it's going to be a feel-good song and we found out that you're going to be on stage just by yourself is that right nobody else around you not a person maybe me and my fleas but <laughs> but uh it will only be me and a very beautiful um led screen uh, thing behind me now and as you've worked with some of the world's biggest stars haven't you who perform usually uh you yeah. can name some of them for us and then i was gonna look at some of the names who were on the mass singer with you particularly on the panel mon zelmalov was on the panel Penilla walgren as well they've done melfest before have any of these big stars been giving you any advice anders well i haven't asked them you know, I think that everyone says like, oh, Anders have already asked. I don't think so many people could tell me what to do right now more than to say just have fun. Because that's the only advice I can get. I cannot change so much how I'm singing. I've already, you know, I'm working with music and I've done that since I was five, six years old. Like I started playing piano then and singing. So for me, I'm very much of like a, like a train. I know exactly my limits here. Let's fast forward to Saturday night then, when the results come in, in Melfest, in your heat. Give us an idea about how you would feel, first of all, if you qualify to the final yes. or the semi-final, but then also yep. how you would feel if you don't qualify, if this is the end of your journey. Will the feelings differ? It doesn't matter. For me, it doesn't matter. I'm too old now to have anxiety and say like, because my life isn't over if I'm not, if I'm winning or if I'm losing. But the good thing if I'm winning is that I will maybe have a broader audience to speak to about my love for dogs and helping homeless dogs. So that's the only reason, one of the reasons why I want to do this, because I'm very, I've been recording like three seasons of, uh, helping homeless dogs and me and my family are helping dogs i cannot get children i'm sorry i have to be honest i i have never been able to become a father so then animals has become my huge my biggest uh, my biggest love so that's one other things so if i go further on and come a long way then i have a bigger microphone to scream out please help 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 animals so that's where i'm coming from is this the start of something new, Anders? Whether you win, whether you don't win, will the singing career of Anders Bagger continue? Or is this just a, is this a one-off opportunity this year? Do you know what you should do? We should probably talk on Monday again. Have a follow-up on this and see where I'm at. Um, to be frank, probably I will keep on doing because I'm doing a Christmas record, which I was supposed to have released this year, no, last year. But as this happened, I had to cancel it because I want to do it in this now. So, so I will, of course, do that uh, a singing career. For the last 11 years, I've been writing songs and putting in my for myself. I've only been writing songs for myself. I've been very, oh, can I have that song? And I said, no, they're my songs. 
because, because I decide over them. I've been very, but I have a lot of fantastic songs, but I have not been able to put down the time for it because I'm working with, with Idol, I'm doing television shows, and, da, 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 and then I know it's such a work to start actually working with music. And if I start working with music, I want to be where I, where I was. Really excited to hear what you've got to bring us on Saturday. And also, I'll hold you to that. I'd love to chat again next week when we find out what the result is. Um, Yeah. One last question from me. You've also written Eurovision songs in the past. You've been to Eurovision as a songwriter. What would it mean to go there as a main performer? Do you know something? I wrote the Azerbaijan TikTok. TikTok. I think it was TikTok. It was called. No, what was it called? Drip drop. No, I don't remember. It was called TikTok. Yeah. Drip drop. Drip drop. It's better if it should have been called TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> that I would have been good. Then I could have sued a company. No, I'm just kidding with you. Drip drop. Uh, together with Sandra and Stefan Ern. Stefan Ern and Sandra Bjorman. And I never actually went to Azerbaijan. I never went to where it was played. I was very, I was like, what? Did it come number five? That is a good one. So I was, I was a little bit surprised. What would be the change? First of all, I don't know if it's really secure to send Anders Bag as the Swedish, you know, the Swedish, uh, here comes the brand of Sweden. It's like sending Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> That's the strange thing. I will come with my whole, my whole crew. It will be dogs. It will be my wife. It will be my friends. And I will have a journey of a lot of love, a lot of stories, because I have... 30 years of stories from the industry. I think I will be good for you guys to listen to. Honestly, I would love to sit here and chat about your 30 years of stories all night long, but I'm sure you're a busy man. You've got other things to do, Anders. So honestly, whether your journey begins and ends on Saturday, whether it continues, whether you go to Turin for Eurovision, I'm just so excited. I'm sure everybody listening as well is so excited to see what you've got to bring on Saturday night. So I just wish you the very best of luck. And thank you so much for joining us for a chat. If I go and win now on Saturday, let's talk on Monday. Let's have a date. Let's do that. Anders, thank you so much. Here you go. We'll shake on it. We'll shake on it. (laughs) Shaking. Cool, man. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. The lovely big old Swedish bear, and that's not James, <laughs> Anders Bagger on the Eurotrip. And you weren't wrong. What a lovely, lovely fella. He really was, wasn't he? And as you heard him saying there, he said if he gets through Melfest this coming weekend... He said, give me a call and we can chat again next week. And I said, yeah, we'll hold him to that. So if he gets through, rest assured, I'll be picking up my phone. He'll be horizontal on his sofa and you'll get a surprise <laughs> when a UK number calls him. I'll say, is that Anders? It's James here from the Euro trip. Let's chat again. Probably be watching the ski jump, wouldn't he? That's, that's what they watch out there. I, honestly, I swear, Swedish television is basically wall-to-wall ski jumping. I'll never forget... I woke up at 4am once, this is when we were over in, in Sweden for Melody Festival, and I woke up at about 4am and the telly was on, ski jumping was on. I mean, it was obviously the highlights, they weren't doing it live, but you cannot move for it out there. Sorry, that was, that was you know, irrelevant, but I stand by it. 
Yeah, entirely irrelevant. In a jam-packed episode, is that tally number three, the amount of times I've had a jam-packed? Oh, that's four times of a jam-packed. Oh, no, like that's Estonia fine. last week all over again. <laughs> oh, dear. We've still got Nargis Burke-Peterson to come on the episode today. She hosted Eurovision 10 years ago in Azerbaijan in 2012. But first, we're going to bring you something new. Something very new, absolutely. And don't forget to get in touch with us on social at Your Trip Podcast, Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EuroTripPodcast.com on the email and EuroTripPodcast.com to read all of our exclusive stories from some of our brilliant guests, including Nargis, as James mentioned, who is on the way. But James, you said something very new, something brand new here on the podcast. And we love a bit of alliteration and it kind of works. So today we bring you the first instalment of our open bracket, we are close bracket, Dommy Diary. Yeah, very excited about this. Although arguably it's the second episode because we spoke to We Are Dommy a month ago and they were fantastic. They're of course representing the Czech Republic this year in Turin. And we had such a great chat with the three guys uh, about a month ago. We thought, wouldn't it be good to catch up with them every single month on their journey to Turin to find out what an artist goes through in the process of preparing for the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, we are so grateful to Casper, Benjamin and Dominica for giving us their time to chat. And hopefully they are going to join us every month between now and the contest in Turin to, as James said, give us a little insight into what life is like as one of the Eurovision acts So let's find out what they've been doing since we last spoke. I think it's about five weeks since we spoke to them last. So let's find out what their diary has been looking like in those past few weeks. Their Dommy diary. Their their Dommy diary. Yes, you you carry on telling everybody about how you love that name that you came up with. Uh, It was just me who sat down with them because as I told them, actually, Rob, you decided that you had some food to eat. So you decided not to join me for the chat. They were very understanding. They totally understood just putting that out there just to make sure you are fully abreast of the situation we found ourselves in. I'm not sure how I feel about this. You've what? You've been bad-mouthing me. So don't, you said that I, I yeah. prioritised dinner over chatting to them. Yeah, I said to the guys, I said, you remember we spoke last month? And they said, yeah, there was another guy with you last time, though, wasn't there? I said, yeah, Rob. The better-looking one. Where's he gone this week? Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, he's, he's got some food to eat. He wanted to have his dinner, so he's got to have that instead. They said, no worries. That's absolutely oh, fine. I organised this chat for you. <laughs> the last we time had a lovely that. time. We had an absolutely lovely time. And we started by finding out what their diary has looked like over the last month we're kind of having more concrete ideas of who will be a part of the team, which is awesome. Staging is concrete. That's actually been released, mm-hmm. which is the wonderful Matthias. He's, um, he's going to be taking care of stage and he's the person that we're brainstorming the stage with. Vitek is our director. director. Being, you're, we're just like saying names. <laughs> and you're like, cool. <laughs> yeah, some Czech name. Um, so I'm happy that that's kind of coming along. We've had our first meeting with like a choreographer. So that's great. Um, since of course, even though uh, seeing ourselves like performing as like authentically as a band, you still need someone to kind of amp up your movements. <laughs> so we're gonna hopefully be working with this wonderful girl. But I don't think that is like also like 100% set. So I don't want to say anything, but 
That's looking wonderful. So very excited about that. We have our first meeting regarding outfits. Again, it just depends if that meeting goes well. Hopefully it does. Hopefully we fit. And yeah. It's all been planning still. It's not in the really intense phase yet, but it's still been doing our daytime jobs and then working with this for the rest of the day, every day. So it's uh, sort of a 24 seven uh, situation right now. It's it's mostly the thing as well, since uh, of course we've never um, been in Eurovision. Of course, we got friends, which has been helping a lot, uh, saying you should think about this, this and this. But I feel like everything we kind of not complete, but start working on. And then it suddenly gets a bit derailed since we have to start. Oh, we have to start thinking about that as well. Really? And then it just starts branching out to all of these things you need to do. So it's just trying to stay calm, productive and figuring out new stuff all the time. So it's kind of like never stopping, which is both fun and a bit terrifying. <laughs> and, but uh, no, all in all, um, we, we see progress. That's, I think that's the most important thing. What has social media been like over the last four weeks then? Has it died down? Have you got used to that extra bit of attention? Because beforehand, before you got chosen, social media for you guys would have been you know, pretty steady, pretty constant. But since being selected, that has presumably gone through the roof. It must be nice to get a bit more reaction from fans. Yeah, I, I, I thought actually that it would start dying down or after the national final, uh, when we won it, I thought it would be a big peak and then to go down. But the thing is, like... Um, it's because there's constantly... New constantly new, new, new music and constantly, like, new top four, new top five, new top nine. Yeah. So, actually, it's it's quite weird since I'm, I'm the statistics guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've actually just been looking, like, the graphs are going steadily upwards. Mm -hmm. uh, we, since we're usually used to releasing a song, uh, we get a lot more interest during that period when we release a song. And then it starts dying down. Like that's the usual thing, but it doesn't seem like it's going to stop. And that makes it really exciting, but also super terrifying <laughs> in so many ways. Since if it's not going to stop from now until May, uh, I, I don't want to think about how much it will be right before the actual Eurovision. So basically Casper is excited, but terrified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, You're not? I'm just excited. Yeah. I'm not terrified yet. I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm just taking what people have said. I'm just going to go for the positive. Um, yeah, because it's not, I mean, it, it is very real already, definitely, because it's taken time for it to kind of settle in our heads and stuff. But as of now, it's just exciting, like getting new people on a team that I feel good about. What's it like to be getting all these new people involved in the team, looking ahead to just this one or hopefully two performances if you get through to the grand final because you know you you guys were necessarily a small band before Eurovision so you you know you would typically release some music look forward to a live gig but that wouldn't take too much effort you know you would think right I'm going to wear that let's go and perform live and then you were done whereas this you're preparing months in advance so a very different process I imagine yeah it's just great to actually have a good team around us who can help us with all these things especially since it's something we have no experience with with doing something this big so i think if we headed into this uh, competition just by ourselves we would just be 
completely overwhelmed and not know what's going on in any direction anywhere. But it's nice to, although we have a team helping us out, it's nice to be a part of everything that everyone is doing. So we kind of learn from every professional we have with us, mm -hmm. as well as they obviously get to do their job, but it's nice that we get to be a part of it as well. Yeah, to I mean, learn how this process actually works. And ultimately, it, it's the dream to have a team behind you and help you mm. with these things. Um, because as an independent band, you know, funding to have such a big team around you is just not possible at the start. Um, so, I mean, we're in a very special situation where we can have so many people. I don't want to say like working for us. No, it's like that we're kind of working together to hopefully, I mean, of course, like the ultimate uh, aim would be to win. But um, as of now, it's just like to get the best people that actually believe in us and we trust them and we just do our best and just, yeah, hopefully, hopefully if we have a strong team, because it's not just about singular people, it's about how they all work together. And it's looking really good. I'm really happy about the dynamic between people because it's not just about um, your CV. Of course, these people have had a lot of experience in their fields, but I can also see um, like the excitement between people. So that uh, like the director and the choreographer, they get on, they've been working on projects in the past that are different from Eurovision. They vibe really well together. We vibe well with them. So that's just like such a plus because we will be two weeks, well, I mean, I guess we'll be together for maybe the last two months when we properly start, we know what the staging is gonna be. We kind of start figuring out what the steps are gonna be. We're gonna be together all all the time. So it's gonna be like a massive camp of adults, <laughs> basically. And, and then we're gonna be in turn together, you know, in like the same hotel, we're gonna be seeing each other all the time. So it's just so important that we actually get along as people, which as of now, I think we do. Now, you've got a date in the diary to look forward to in May as well, because since we last spoke, you now know you're going to be in semi-final number two. Now, as we chat, we don't really know what that means, do we? Because there's not a whole lot of other artists or other songs that have been chosen. Has that impacted things at all? Have you, you know, set your minds on different areas to focus on because of that? Or has that just been, oh, oh cool, that's a bit of good news for us. Now we know when we're actually going to be performing. It's nice to have a certain date and we have something specific to look forward to. We don't have that, mu not that much knowledge if like semi-final one or two is the best one to be in or if any of that matters. But uh, I remember first, my first thought was I would love to be in semi-final one so I can enjoy semi-final two. Because <laughs> now I've just been sitting through semi-final one and still be like, uh. You need to ask Casper next to you. He's the statistics guy. He told us that earlier. He <laughs> should know whether semi-final one or two is better. Come on. Do you know that or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just worried if we're, when we go on stage, if we have to be like, oh, where is Casper? Is he just updating the stats now? <laughs> oh, so finally, the stats are going to be thrilling now. Like. Yeah, it probably will. <laughs> talking around with uh, people about uh, what is best and we know playing third or something in e either or if it's first semi-final or second final but playing third it's always like someone that doesn't qualify like it's it's just it's uh, it doesn't make too much sense but of course when we figured out uh which semis uh we we started asking around but it's doesn't look like there's big advantages and really bad uh, disadvantages uh, with any of them. Unless you know. 
Yeah, do you know? <laughs> you probably you know. know more than us. <laughs> you definitely know more than us. I, I definitely, I know a bit more. I've, I've definitely got some spreadsheets and stuff like that. Honestly, Casper, me and you are very similar. Uh, we can you send those <laughs> over? <laughs> gladly, gladly. I'll send you them over. You can have a look through and you can decide whether it's good or not. But I'll, I'm not going to tell you. You can make that decision in your own time. Have you been keeping up with any of the other countries? I know Casper uh, Benjamin from Norway, Melody Grand Prix has been taking place recently. Uh, I think I saw on one of your Instagrams as well. Have you been trying to figure out who's behind the mask from Subwoofer? Yes. yes. <laughs> we actually saw a video, I think Casper pulled it up, of this um, YouTuber <laughs> and she was delving deep. She was like, these are the heights. If you look at this yeah. man's height, it could be him. And we was were like, like, whoa, she was, like, she was in it. The yeah, she measured the jaw structure and yeah. tried to figure no. out who they were. So she is 100% sure who it is, at least. But, uh, do you guys have any idea? Have you got your guesses? No. Well, you guys mentioned. We, yeah, we, think we just read somewhere that someone said it could be the Ilvis brothers, but uh, I mean, it's impossible to say. Personally, I don't think it sounds like them, so it's impossible. It would be really cool if it was them, but uh... I think they're in semi-final too. If they qualify, if they uh, if they win in Melody Grand Prix, they might be in the same semi-final as you guys. So you might be able to catch I mean, up with them. I think they're actually in semi-final one. Oh, lovely! I should have checked my that... spreadsheets. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was something that we were um, really looking into because we wanted to know if uh, we would be with Norway since for, for the guys, that would be yeah. fun. Um, but I think the only Scandies in Sweden. We got Sweden and Finland. Finland. And Finland. Finland and Sweden. Yes. Let's quickly look at the next four weeks, the next month or so. Uh, how busy is the diary? We've been chatting about what it's been like over the last four weeks. You've been meeting new members of the team, looking at outfits, choreography. Is that going to continue? Have you got any other special dates to look forward to over the next month or so? We're going to Barcelona. Which is Barcelona. very exciting. So we're very much in the talks about pre-parties. Um, the only thing confirmed and out in the world. Well, that's a lie. There's other things confirmed, but I cannot say that. Um, <laughs> can you say that? Can I say that? Help. Um, no, I, I mean, of course, of, of, of course, um, pre-parties want to start booking in uh other countries so of course i can say that there's been talking there's been some confirmations but the only thing that's out is uh barcelona one um i don't know if they've said who else is going to be performing there it might just be you guys maybe they've just put on a pre-party just for just you all about and that's, it. <laughs> that's yeah. it we're going to be playing there for the full three hours just one song <laughs> over and over again and that's all you get oh my, God, <laughs> my gosh wow okay i don't know if i could keep like singing where are you now for like three hours straight and then apart but, from that it's just the other preparations just to make sure everything is planned and ready to go for may yeah i would say i would say that february is very much finalizing um kind of like concrete ideas because i would say in in march we actually have to start practicing for may so february prep month and then from March it's just actual like rehearsing 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 and then of course a little bit more PR has to happen like closer to those dates so that means in Czech Republic but also internationally that's kind, that's kind of it really mm -hmm. as of now but it's I mean it's it's a lot I'm just putting into 
I was going to say that you saying that's it does still sound like quite a lot to do. So <laughs> hopefully you get some, hopefully you get some rest in there. Hopefully you get to relax a little bit as well, because it's going to be a very hectic schedule. So thanks for finding a bit of time to chat to us again. And hopefully in March when things are finalized and we know a little bit more, you can find time to chat again. So thanks for coming on again to come and chat. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This is the Euro Trip. So there we have it, the first edition or first instalment, if you will, of our open brackets, we are closed brackets, Dommy Diary. Yeah, great to have the trio back on the podcast. Oh, I love them. They're so, so likeable, aren't they? And hopefully over the next few months as we prepare for Turin, well, as we prepare for Turin, we can hear a bit more from them every month about how they're preparing for Turin. I reckon their preparations for Turin <laughs> only marginally uh, more <laughs> extensive and time-consuming than ours. I would well imagine so, although we, oh goodness, I've nearly outed myself that I haven't paid for the Airbnb yet. Oh dear. Yeah, enough. that's a good point actually, yeah. Now you've mentioned it, you're you popping that over at any point or? Um... Let's let's not talk about Turin and let's talk about Baku. <laughs> Very nicely done. Yeah, it is time for the big interview on this week's episode of the Euro Trip. As James has mentioned, we've already brought you so much today because, James, what have you called this episode? Jam-packed. That's right. It has been wall-to-wall guests today and I'm now going to bring you a chat that I had with Nargis Burke Peterson who was one of the hosts of Eurovision 2012 in Baku in Azerbaijan a contest eventually won of course by Lorene. Now I really wanted to bring you this chat because I wanted to chat to somebody who had hosted Eurovision on the podcast after we found out who would be hosting the contest in Turin just to get an insight into what it is like to be one of those presenters. Of course, we've spoken to Katis Alstrom on the podcast before. She was one of the hosts of Eurovision in 2000. We've chatted to Nargis's co-host from Eurovision in 2012. We've chatted to Eldar, of course, as well. But Nargis gave us a fascinating insight and a brilliant conversation about just what it's like to be in that role. And she was as surprised as anybody because she's a trained lawyer. And as she started the chat by telling me, hosting Eurovision... Never really part of the plan. I, I think to, it was not part of my kind of career planning, this whole Eurovision thing, if, if I'm honest, uh, because I am a lawyer and I was a lawyer at the time when I got engaged uh, for this project. And um, I had in the past experience on TV, actually at quite an early age, uh, already at the age of 16, 17, I was presenting on at the time, it was first private television station in Azerbaijan. So when the, you know, the, the former Soviet Union at the time started to, this is how far ago, <laughs> how far back, uh, revealing my age a little bit here. But, but at the time I was, um, you know, auditioned and, and was hired to basically read the program, you know, back in the day, you would here that at five o'clock you would see this and this movie and at six o'clock you would see that I did that in Azerbaijan for a few years then I started the university and I worked on kind of the English language news tv station student uh, tv station and then I moved to the states and kind of 
while kind of had part-time jobs and one of my part-time jobs was modeling. So, I mean, I had some experience on camera in my early career, let's put it this way, or in my kind of, before I, I, I kind of studied and went to the university and became a, a, a lawyer. And in 2011, when Azerbaijan won, I was actually in Moscow doing kind of what I do right now, working in-house for you know, a, a large uh, Russian conglomerate. Yeah, I was curious who would be hosting the, the, the show. I kind of know the TV personalities in Azerbaijan, and I was wondering if, um, yeah, if there was somebody suitable. I have a lot of friends. I have a big network in Azerbaijan. I talked, to, I asked, I was just kind of curious, how do, who do you think would be hosting? And they're like, well, we don't know, but, you know. And I, I was, I asked that, when there are auditions, if there are auditions for this, um, that somebody, you know, if, if, if they find out that there are auditions in the country, that they would let me know. And I kind of forgot about that. And then I moved to, uh, from Moscow, Russia to Denmark, and I was actually in between jobs. So I you know, left my job in Moscow. So I was not working. I was kind of, we were just moved and I was settling the family into into Copenhagen and a guy got a call I recall that was I think like Sunday and I was told that I have that there is an audition that will happen that they found out there's an audition that will happen on Wednesday of course, on the podcast, you know, roughly this time last year, we spoke to uh, to Eldar, of course, who, who hosted the contest mm-hmm. alongside you and who won the contest along with Nikki for Azerbaijan. And he was saying how big a moment it was for Azerbaijan on the international stage to win the Eurovision Song Contest. Did you feel that just obviously watching and obviously we'll talk about 2012 and your role in that and, and how it felt to host a contest in your homeland but you know did you really feel that it was a big moment internationally for Azerbaijan oh absolutely absolutely I mean I think that people found out about Azerbaijan through this right I mean I'm sure a lot of people have never heard of Azerbaijan until actually won the Eurovision yeah it was huge Let's pick up the story that you mentioned before then. So you are in Copenhagen, you've just moved there, you've got the yeah. phone call to say that there are going to be auditions for yeah. you know the, the, the job of presenting the Eurovision Song Contest. So ha- ha- remind us how long you had to get to Azerbaijan, just a few yeah. days? Yes, exactly. And there was no direct flight from Copenhagen to, <laughs> to Baku. And I remember also calling, and I had to, like that week I was planning to go to Paris uh, to see my friend who's gay and uh, and and we're just gonna like just I had kind of planned that we would see each other and I haven't seen them in a while and then 
this came up and I didn't want him to tell him why I'm going to Baku. But, you know, you have this stereotype of all gay men loving your vision, knowing everything about, you know. Uh, and so I said to him, listen, I'm going, I, I won't be able to come to Paris because I'm going to Baku. But if all works out, which is unlikely, but if it does, and you find out when I went to Baku, you will be, you know, you'll forgive me for ditching you, basically. <laughs> and, you know, so, and he was like, well, you're very cryptic. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not happy about you, you know, ditching men. And so I, I, yeah. So then I, and then I called my husband and I said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Baku. There's going to be an audition. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like your vision, you're a lawyer, you're a corporate lawyer. Um, you know, what's this about? And I was like, I just have to try it. Like, I, I, I never thought I'd get it, right? But I was like, but I have to try it. If I don't try it, I will not forgive myself. So when, when was this? What time of year is this? Because I, I was looking earlier on and I think it was only in kind of April time. So not long before the contest that, that the three of you were announced as, as hosting the, the Eurovision Song Contest. So, you know, when was the audition? And also, what did you have to do for the audition? Yeah, so I flew there. Um, basically, I took my book as a modeling. They had a book with, with some headshots and, and, and pictures. Um, and I had to read the text. Uh, 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 and I, I remember the text that they provided to me. I actually took it and then I made changes to it because I, I thought it didn't read very well in English. Uh, <laughs> and then and I said, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll read it a little bit differently because I think that that sounds a little better. And then I read it. They were not telling me we selected you, right? They were just saying that if you even want to have a chance to be selected, you have to kind of participate in all these events and, um, and, and, and be here. And I had two small children in Copenhagen and a husband. <laughs> so um, luckily I was not working, so I could actually... You know, if I, yeah. So I, again, I went, I mean, and, and thank God my husband was very, very understanding. He thought I was crazy. I mean, there was no question about it. He thought I lost my mind, but he kind of humored me. And I said, listen, I have to go and try this. Do you mind watching the children <laughs> while I'm away? Um, which actually turned out that I, you know, I had to stay there all the way through Eurovision, right? So it was more than that. And I, you know, of course I went back in between, but um, yeah, I, I went back to Copenhagen and I packed and I went to Azerbaijan and I was there basically from like end of February till Eurovision happened. So how, so how did you find out for the first time? You know, was it seeing an article on online? Was it getting an email? How, how, how was it? So, so we were, we were we actually we were in Germany meeting with Anka and, and Brainpool people who were helping with was organizing the the event in Azerbaijan, and you know again it's just like we we don't at that point we don't know we don't know if it's going to be one of the three of us it's going to be you know and they're like it's two and then one is a backup we don't know if we're like just the backup team and there is somebody else like we know nothing right we're just doing what we're told to do and. We're flying back from Germany to Baku and I meet an EBU representative on the plane and I ask him, I say, listen, 
do you know when they're planning to select us like or or you know like make a selection and and you know and he's like no i i don't know you know they they still it's there has it's there still hasn't been a, a decision on this and then we land and my phone starts going berserk like i i, I receive messages and messages and i'm like and then and then he tells me i just received the message they made they had their first conference and they announced you guys or they made a press release and, and you know so we didn't know we like we really didn't know we didn't know even, even like going on that plane that it would be us and it was just it was a relief for one you know because you're 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 there you're going through preps you're you know you're you know you're investing a lot of time and effort into into being part of this right and then of course it would have been a huge disappointment if it wasn't us who was selected but yeah i mean i felt relief and so happy and kind of just completely out of body unbelievable experience because i mean especially for me i mean i think that both leila and eldar i mean they were in the industry in a way right in different ways but but i'm like a complete outsider right so to me this was just crazy and uh, and amazing yeah Presumably, you then called your husband and said, "You'll never guess what. You'll be so pleased that you let me come because, you know, this is this is happening." I mean, what was his reaction? He just he just thought the whole thing was crazy. I think he was very proud of me, but I mean, I think he had difficulty believing it. Right? It's pretty big deal everywhere, and and you know, if you look at the host that was selected for, even now the the host that were announced for Italy. Um, you know, it's it's kind of big time stars or, or you know, like kind of known TV personalities uh, in many cases. Um, was surprised that I was selected. Of course, very proud, but, but surprised, yeah. What about the friend in Paris? He said, and that's what I, he's like, you know what? I don't care about Eurovision. I never watch. No! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You mentioned that, you know, you, you'd been to Germany kind of in the run up to that with uh, with Eldar yeah. and Leila as well. You know, how much how much help were kind of the, the German broadcaster in preparing you for for what was to come with with the competition in 2012? It was the same um, brain pool where they were the same that were organizing it the previous year. So there were a lot of help um, and meeting with Anka and and um, and the team there that was very helpful, I thought. I have a funny story actually about that also. Our scriptwriter was German and he spoke very good English, but he's not a native speaker and neither three of us are. But I, I remember him writing, writing a script and in that script, I, because I was in the green room, if you remember, he wrote something and here my sit neighbor is blah, blah, blah. And I was reading and I was like, um, you don't say sit neighbor, you know, in, you know, in English, that's yeah. not a thing. And he's like, well, what do you know? You don't speak, you know, like English is not your first language either. Right. So, and I was like, no, I'm telling you, like, you don't say that in English, you know? And he was like, yeah, kind of, you don't know what, you know, you say that in German. I'm like, but you might say that in German, like, but you don't say, you can also say that in Russian, but you don't say that in English. And then we went around the, you know, the arena where, you know, looking for a native English speaker to ask them with him, 
you know? <laughs> so I was like, listen, you don't say that. I'm not going to say that, we, you know, if, and I'll prove to you that you're wrong. So we went and I think we found some like Irish cameraman and we're like, hey, you're a native English speaker, right? Do you say sit neighbor in English? They're like, no, we don't. <laughs> so I was like, I won this one. You were justified. Yeah, so from, yeah exactly. And I, and, and like, like I sat and read the script, right? Because it was, you know, kind of a German writing in English. He had a very good English, but, you know, sometimes there were these like little things where you were like, ah, that, yeah, you don't say it like that, so. Good evening, Europe! Welcome to the grand final of the 57th Eurovision Song Contest. Bonsoir l'Europe! Soyez les bienvenus à la grande finale de 57e concours Eurovision de la chanson. Archaman Hayer Bakir! So, just how did your life change, I suppose, from that point on for those next few months? Because there are so many, you've already alluded to it, you know, there are so many events linked to the Eurovision Song Contest. It's not just hosting the massive show, of course, that you have to prepare for. Presumably, life was pretty crazy for quite a long time in in that that you know build up to the contest. It was, it really was, and and I mean, again, I was lucky. I didn't have a, like a day job, and 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 I think the fact that the family wasn't there in Azerbaijan also helped because you really have to be extremely focused. And we had like the whole day was planned out, and we would start with you know, fitting and, you know, and discussing the costumes and then rehearsing with a script and then filming a promo. And then, you know, I mean, we would leave early in the morning and come back late in the evening. I remember being terrified because, you know, I lived in Copenhagen. I exercised regularly. I biked everywhere. Right. And now we were like completely like there was no time for exercise. So, but there was also no time to eat really. Like we would like maybe have one meal during the day. You know, I lost like seven kilos through this time, which was great because of what to me. But you know, it's like the, the the day and 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 we ended quite late uh, a lot of times. And sometimes there were parties at the end of the day. Um, so you're really you're into in that Eurovision world, and the, your whole world is that. And later on. Leila and Eldar, even though they had family there, they had homes there, they were also moved to a hotel. And I, I also have family and I could stay, of course, with my family. But we were all asked to move to a hotel. And, I, and I'm grateful for that, right? Because you really, I don't know, like smallest things impact you. Um, and especially, and again, I was probably the least experienced of them, of the three, right? And I'm also glad I was, I mean, I had a Facebook account, but I wasn't like all over social media or anything like that. And I'm grateful for that as well, right? Because there is limited, I think everything impacts you. Like, and, and, and like, to me, I remember like smallest comments. I would just, you know, it, it can throw you. And, and I, I was happy to be in this bubble uh, where you just kind of live and breathe Eurovision and, you know, you're, and, and Leila and Eldar were fantastic colleagues. And, you know, just we had very nice energy between us, camaraderie. They're a lot younger than me, you know, but and they, you know, but but we, we had different strengths. And I think we complemented each other. 
um, got along very well, kind of, yeah. So it's, I was very happy about how the whole thing was set up in terms of shielding us a little bit from the outside world. I think that was needed. 2012 is seen as a real kind of historical landmark for Eurovision, especially given the winner that year, of course, Lorene and Euphoria. What was it like playing such an integral part of what has gone down as such a historic competition because of the winner? You know, what was it like seeing Euphoria in the arena? And was there a a thought process from yourself that, you know, this is a song that's, people are going to remember it for so long, it's going to be pretty timeless when it comes to Eurovision? Yeah, I mean, I think Lorraine was trending right before the show, and 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 we we were all taken by the song, right? So it was clear that this song, if it's not a winner, it's going to be uh, on top three. And I got to walk her down the, you know, from the green room. So that was amazing too. Yeah. So I think I think I was less. I mean, just being part of it for me was huge, right? And, and I think I reflected less at the time of, of the significance of this particular competition. I, you know, to me, it was just the fact is that it's in my home country, the fact that I get to take the winner's hand and walk her down to the stage. I mean, all of that was huge uh, for me personally um, and something that I will never, never, ever forget. The winner of the Eurovision Song Contest 2012 is Sweden! With Laureen Euphoria! Congratulations! Big, big congratulations! Please come to the stage with me! Congratulations! In your in your work today, in your work since the Eurovision Song Contest, you know, has it has it come up? Have colleagues come up to you and said, Hold on, didn't you present the Eurovision Song Contest in 2012? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, actually, I uh, I put it on my resume when I, you know, it's on my resume. I would put it on I, there. I, if, I, 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 if I hosted Eurovision Nagas, it would definitely be top of the list. Yeah, well, I mean, it, well, you, when you're applying for legal jobs, right, you're not always sure, should I be talking about this or is this something that people will think is weird? But it catches attention for sure. Like like people want to meet. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I, I uh, yeah there were you know I was working in the previous company. I were there were people also when they found out they you know there were they they wrote an article and you know so there's there's some yeah some recognition that comes with that of course. But you know it was funny how you go through this like. I don't know, high where you're, you're the host, you're, you're a focus of attention. You know, people want to take pictures with you, you know, and then you come home and it's like, it's just so normal. Like, like your children and your family does a very good job of like grounding. You're like, okay, prima donna, you're home now, you know, here are the dishes, here you know, the diapers, you know, back to, you know, back to normal. It was like really quickly, like night and day. Nargis, thank you so much for for giving us so much time and thank you for chatting to us on the Euro trip. We really appreciated that fascinating insight into what it's like to host Eurovision. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. 
What a conversation that was, Rob. Lovely to hear from Nargis here on the podcast this week. Ten years, of course, as we mentioned, since she hosted Eurovision 2012. I'm sure the likes of Mika will be listening to that to try and figure out what bits of advice they can take from her chat as they prepare to host Eurovision this year in Turin. I just can't imagine it standing there knowing that the eyes of like hundreds of millions of people watching you like imagine if he tripped up i think we know don't we that the stage in turin is gonna have lots of steps i'm pretty sure we do know that and that's that's a level of jeopardy that i wouldn't need if i was hosting eurovision i mean it's not a problem i'm ever gonna have but if i were (laughs) to ever host eurovision i would insist that the company behind the stage make it probably as flat as as flat and as as unslippery as possible that doesn't make sense But we are going to wrap up the episode very shortly, so big thanks to all of our guests who have joined us today. But before we do, we can't end the episode without doing the one-second song. Yeah, now it's me to guess this week. It's the traditional end of the show. So, James, I'm ready. Let's do it then. Here is this week's one-second song. Now, I think that I've got a few points this week. But before... I give you my guesses. Just a reminder for the people at home as to how many points are on offer? What are we after here? Got four points on offer for the song title, the artist, the year it competed and the country it represented. You sound pretty confident already. Let's hear it one more time for people at home if they're still trying to make their mind up. Now, the current scores, thanks to Martin's spreadsheet, tell us that it is Rob 16, James 12. So I do have the opportunity to extend my lead this week. And I think you've gone relatively straight down the line this week with today's one second song. And I am going to say, given that we've heard from Nargis, the host of Eurovision in 2012 on today's podcast that that song is Azerbaijan 2012, When the Music Dies. And I can't for the life of me remember the name of the lovely woman that sang it. So we will go with Elena Babayeva. Oh, you are so close, Rob. You've hit the post. Honestly, (laughs) if I could, I'd give you three and a half points, but I'm not sure I'm allowed. So I'll just give you the three. Yes, it was Azerbaijan. Yes, it was 2012. Yes, it was When the Music Dies, but it was Sabina Babayeva. It wasn't Babayeva. Honestly, it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's a surname I made up about five seconds ago. (laughs) Let's have a listen. You I simply cannot believe that was just a guess. Honestly, when you started to make up a name, I thought, oh, he might, he's close. Yeah, he's close. And you were you were bloody close, weren't you? No need to swear at the end of the episode. What are you doing there? 
That's because he's furious, everybody, that I've extended my lead on the one-second song. 1912. That is a chunky old lead, sir. Honestly, that was incredible. Yeah, you said I was pretty straight down the line. Yes, it was because Nargis hosted 2012. This song represented Azerbaijan in Azerbaijan in 2012. But also, don't forget, we heard from Anders Bagger earlier on. He was telling us how he wrote the song Drip Drop for Azerbaijan in 2010. But did you know, he was also one of the composers for that song as well, When the Music Dies. I didn't know. See, it was more thought through than I'd first given you credit for. So I apologise. I take it all back. Very well chosen, mainly because it means that I got the chance to extend my lead. So yeah, very pleased with that. And we'll be back, of course, next week with another edition of the One Second Song. We will indeed. So for now, a big thanks to you for listening. Thanks to all of our guests. We mentioned Nargis there, Anders Bagger as well. And of course, Benjamin, Casper and Dominica from We Are Dommy. Don't forget, we'll be back in a week's time for another episode of the Eurotrip. And as well, on Monday, for a brand new episode of Melfest Monday. Yeah, it has been brilliant to be with you a couple of times over the last few weeks, of course. We've been with you on a Monday, as James said, from Alpha's Monday, being here on a Wednesday. And more of you are listening than ever before. So we could not be more grateful. Thank you for tuning in. And James is going to tell you what you need to do in just a second. But I'm going to do the bit where I tell you that you can also leave a review on Spotify, by the way, if you want to as well. Because that's normally where I listen to my podcast. You can just see at the top there, you can see the stars. Just give us a give us a little review. Well, a little rating at least up there. We are forever grateful. Indeed we are. But also don't forget in the meantime until we're back with you that you can follow us and get in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are hello at eurotrippodcast.com on the email. And check out the website as well for any of our exclusive stories, eurotrippodcast.com. And as Rob said, you can subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five star wherever you are listening to the podcast this week. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, or Bobby Babayeva, as they'll call me from now on, it's goodbye. Uh, but the lunch was, I had uh, oh, yeah. a squid and bulgur wheat salad. I don't know what that third word was. Salad? No, bulgur. What was it? Bulgur wheat. wheat. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's a bit like quinoa, but nicer. It's a bit like uh, couscous. Yeah, I know these other words, I just don't know this. It's like big, it's a bit like big couscous. Big Couscous. That's your nickname, isn't it? Big Couscous. Oh, welcome to the Eurotrip with me, James, me, Big Couscous. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.